Quay, Delawisi Rose Muse, Wedebexi Migamagi Wigi Ulsetkok. Hello, my name is Rose Muse. My family is from Migamagi, land of the Mi'kmaq. I live in the Bear River First Nation community. This is the first part of a three-part mini-series of my journey with my Mi'kmaq language. This podcast series was made possible with funding from Canada Council for the Arts. And when I was a little girl, the fluency here in my community, uh, thinking maybe two or three people might have spoke Mi'kmaq fluently. So I never really heard it a whole lot growing up. I just would hear certain words or certain phrases. Um, Like for instance, mainly because my father and my brothers were out in the bush a lot. So I would hear more, you know, um, words pertaining to the forest, like whiskle for black ash or something in that line. Um, But never did I hear it fluently. People that I did know who spoke fluently, um, because everybody around spoke English so much, we all just kind of went into English speaking. So, but there was still that way of life you know, because our language is verb-based. Even though you didn't hear the language as much, you still had those actions, you know, that uh, that our language is about, what it's all about. Um, so one of the homes that I went to a lot would be my uncle and aunt, um, Uncle Richard McEwen and his wife, Marguerite. And uh, so I would hear um, my Uncle Richard maybe saying a word or two, but, but again, I was so young, I just... I didn't really, um, um, even back then when I was a little girl and, and there wasn't a whole lot of fluency in the community, I didn't know at the time that this was going to be my passion and my way of life, you know. Um, I didn't realize that language was going to be my lifeline. So I knew that I loved it and I, it was just, you know, it's like when people will say, oh, what's it, what's it like living in a First Nation community, I'm like, I don't know. It's just, (laughs) I don't know really what it's like as an adult to live not here. So I'm not sure how to, uh, how to compare it, but uh, I know I loved it. I loved, um, I loved the language. I loved the culture. You know, some of, I miss it. I miss, I miss that actually. When I was younger, you took all that kind of stuff for granted. And then there for a short time, I had moved away from the community with my mom. And um, and those are times that as a young girl, I didn't know that I, did, I couldn't put it into words what I was feeling. Um, but those were times in my life that uh, I think it was a really, I made the best of it, but I, I missed my family. I missed these roots. Like, I think that's why today I won't, I don't go too far because I feel like my roots are so are so strong here and I miss them for those few years so much that I will never, never leave again. Even when we were in the other little area community that we were living in when we moved away, I remember the one thing that I did the most was I walked in the woods all the time and I found a stream in the woods and that's where I went. Mm-hmm. all the time and I sat by that water I put my feet in that water I go swim well really kind of wade mm-hmm. in that water you know it was a way I didn't have um, the connection with that language still but but in a way I did because mm-hmm. 
those those trees and that the water and in a way they were speaking to me mm-hmm. and I wondered if that's another reason why I have that hunger for the language because I was in those woods and around that water for so much for so long because that's how I had to keep my connection mm-hmm. and then we came back to the community I've never left again like I, I grew up here till I was about six or seven and then we had to move away for a few years and then we came back and uh, it was so strong um, there was a time like people would ask me what's your favorite number and and I would say 24 and I never knew why it was always 24 and it to this day it's still 24 and just last year I was coming from Digby, driving home with the kids. And I said, oh, I'm not going to go that way. I'm going to go the old way that we used to come into town or into Bear River. And I noticed the exit was 24. (laughs) So I think as a little girl, I got so excited because there's the exit 24. But I didn't know I was... To go home, you mean? To go home. Yeah, Yeah, when I would go home, it was exit 24. Mm -hmm. You know, so I'm wondering, was that the the reason (laughs) why... That's, you know, that's my favorite number <laughs> because I'm going back home to my, to my roots where I feel like I, you know, I needed to be. But, um, yeah. And then coming back, back into Bear River again, I, I, I still would just hear the little odd words when I was younger, you know, but I did ask my dad one time I was in my teens. Now my dad is a residential school survivor. And I asked him, I said, Dad, I said, um, would we be speaking the language fluently, do you think, if you didn't go to the school? Mm-hmm. And he just looked at me and smiled and then started doing the oh, really? job. He, he would never talk to me about no. it. I, I would say to him, can you tell me, what, what was it like there? Like, would we be speaking the language? Like, why, does, why is this happening? Why did, and he just kind of smiled. And, and I often thought that, I, I thought that was really weird that he wouldn't even really respond to me but yeah I just he just couldn't yeah I guess he just couldn't or or maybe he thought I wasn't old enough to to hear the things because I know things happened to him I know that you know um but he never he never spoke to it I don't think to this day he's ever you know well before he passed away he's never spoke to any of our family because I don't think anyone has mentioned to me any of my brothers or my sister yeah so but he he did kind of smile and kind of nod a little bit and um but I I don't believe he grew up speaking fluently he I'm sure he heard it a lot Mm. but um I don't believe he even and then being taken to this to a residential school he really wouldn't have Mm -hmm. continued with it Mm -hmm. after that I can't say there was one thing that's like just turned the light on for language for me. There were some things that were, you know, significant, but not one thing. I just felt like I always had that connection and hunger to something. I just couldn't put words to it. Like I was saying when I would go into the woods and just sit down by the stream or mm-hmm. so there was something there. And then um <coughs> it, I was in I was in my teens early teens and my uncle Richard McEwen he was putting um, on a language uh, um, program in our band office now why what spurred him on at that point I'm thinking he knew that he was one of the last speakers in our community so he's like yeah maybe 
I don't know what was going on in his head. I was still, again, I guess too young to really ask, you know, think of those questions. What made you want to? But I, I would think because he was one of the last speakers here. So he had a class and we would all go. There were, there were quite a few of us that went. And it wasn't written like we have the Smith Francis today, the orthography. It was written in English phonetics. And I'm sure if I went through some of my papers and, and stuff, I would find at least some of them, you know. Um, I do know my, my cousin has some, and I told him if you ever find them, please let me know, because there would be some old words there. So he would, he would, um, he would have these classes, and I think... That might have been one of, you know, if I had to pick something, that would have been one of the, um, one of the things that was, that kind of lit a fire under me because it, I loved it. I really, really loved it. And I really loved hearing him and watching him and, uh, and also his wife, my aunt, Marguerite. I loved, uh, I loved spending time with, with, uh, with them. So that was, uh, that was a time that um, maybe I might have thought, okay, I want to, I want to continue to do this, you know, for a long time. But then as I got older, I, I started realizing language or Mi'kmaq to me was not a want anymore. It was a need. It was like the breath in our lungs, the blood through our veins. I have no choice now, you know, because this is something I dream about, I talk about, I live, it's who I am now. So uh, if I had have met the people that, that I know today a long time ago, I really feel I would have been fluent. But like you and I talk about that, um, had we have known about verbs a long time ago? Because <laughs> like verb-based language. Yeah, because it's a verb-based language. If we had have known that... Maybe we would have, you know, maybe I would have been a little bit further, further ahead, but it's okay. Because even back then, when I, you know, in my early 20s, I started working at the school as a language teacher. And I would take one word that I would find in a book and I would make a whole week's lesson from one word. You know, by the time that week was up, those kids knew that word. <laughs> and... Um, so we, we had fun. We had fun. We just made it fun. We made, played games. We would um, draw pictures and we made a word train. And I still have, uh, I still have the, the, well, they're not kids anymore. They're grown ups <laughs> with their own kids. They still remember a lot of those words in that word train. Let's go over our word train words. Okay. Which ones did you do over there? Gipu. Ah. Begun. Gipu ach begun. Great pictures. I really love them. What about you? Got a gil. Blamu ach madwes. Oh, blamu ach madwes. Which one's your favorite there? It's very hard. <laughs> it is very hard. Did you do another one there? Mikchich? Mikchich. Mikchich. Yeah, okay. Which other ones? Did you do another one up there? Oh, I like that one too. Those are nice. You guys did a great job. I really like them. Thank you. We just tried to do the best we could, and that's what we do here in Ilsid Cook. 
you know, we try and take what we what we learn and just bring it to life for the word train that we would do. We would, uh, what I would do is let uh, let the kids, the stu- all the students, yeah. um, we would have these little booklets. So they would look through the booklets. They would look through the booklets and they would pick usually an animal or or maybe something we would find in the kitchen, something like that. So they, what they would do is they would take squelch, frog, mm. and then uh, one of the, the or then one of them would draw uh, a squelch and then write squelch under it, and then that would be one of our. Uh, blocks for our for our train and our train went all the way around the classroom and every day they would come into the classroom we would say them so at the very beginning it was like maybe only five we would say them over and over but by the end of the year or close to the end of the year a few months in our word train word would be you know three quarters of the way around the room so it would take us you know good 20 minutes maybe to do them all but they would remember them because we went over them so much and then they drew their own picture put the name on it we put them up there and what I had told them when the front of our train reaches the back of our train we were going to have a pizza party so they were really excited to get this word train and but I said not only does does it have to reach you guys have to be able to tell me every one of them and uh so that was really exciting for them and they did it and we had our pizza party (laughs) and they still remember them a lot of them today (laughs) yeah so anything like that that we could make it fun and they just they just really loved it so yeah and we had our um we had our calendar area so you know so they would know their calendar you know all the days of the week the months we would go over them over and over and I'd always tell them that if you don't use it you're gonna lose it because you really will and even to this day even for us adults if we don't use it we're gonna lose it so I'm so happy to see so many having that you know experience and that passion for language and I'm doing this three series podcast because uh, I thought it was a way to get my story out there for language because I have a lot of people asking me like about about my journey you know and uh, so I thought, hey, I should actually put it in a podcast so I can get that journey out there and, and, and maybe to, I don't, to spark some interest, uh, to help people understand a little more about the language and why it's important. Or um, maybe if somebody is trying to learn a language but they don't have many resources or people around them, mm-hmm. that it could give them a little, uh, a little encouragement because we're doing it here in Osetkok as well, you know. So, so I just wanted to get it out there and um, let people hear a journey, my journey, mm-hmm. yeah, of language, because I'm asked a lot. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think people are realizing how important our language is, not just to, oh, I get to speak another language. Mm-hmm. It's not another language, it's another, it's like our culture is in there. There's our ways of life. Like, I'll look, I never got to meet my grandparents or my great-grandparents. So when I look at those pictures I have on my laptop, my big, you know, desktop picture is um, a picture of my grandfather who was a, a guide and he's there holding, you know, his fish and stuff. And I look into his eyes and... <laughs> 
We cried a lot over <laughs> these conversations, <laughs> I know. Yeah. It's, um, I kind of do it for him as well. And for my father, who, you know, had that taken from him at a young age, uh, I think um, we realize now the importance of the language and, uh, and, the, and the way of life. So many times, we, you know, we're learning, you know, our words and it's like, oh, that's, uh, I don't know, I feel like it's beyond just words. We're, we're learning, yeah, like I, like I said, our, our way of life and stuff. And I look at my, I look at that picture on my desktop and sometimes I'll just sit there because that's where my, my, my Anki deck is on there. <laughs> and I'll just open it up and I'll just stare at him, you know, and I, and I think he has in his eyes like a whole story like lots and lots and lots of stories. And I'm like, I'm not, to my last breath, I will, I will work on language. I don't care if it's only one word a week, one word a, mo- a month or a year. I might never be fluent, but I will try my very best to carry that ember to the next person and to the next person. Because one day we will have our language here again. I don't, I don't, have a doubt about that but we just need to have others understand the importance of our language not just to learn a language but to bring and understand who we are it's not just a set of vocabulary vocabulary. yeah 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 Mm -hmm. like i gave an analogy the other day and and i've i've given this an analogy a few times when i was working um as an interpreter i was beside this lake and the lake was really calm and i would tell everyone i said you know my father being in a residential school i would pick up this little stone and i would if i plopped it if i pinged it out into that lake there was plop in there i said that's my dad and you see all those ripples i'm one of those ripples and you can't go out to one of those ripples and just push it down and say just go away you know just flatten it out that um you have to let those ripples just work its way out and then eventually you know it goes back to smooth again and that's how i have to think of whether it's our culture our language or trying to work through some of the hurts that you know we had to work through growing up and that's the that's what we have to work at as as a, as my dad's children but i can't imagine what he had to go through and what he lived every day that us kids didn't even realize you know so the analogy for our a language today is is um you know as it as it's thinking of a of a, one of those big old steam engine trains so the train is like our language loss as it's going down the track you know and we're trying to slow the process down of of the speed of us losing our old new language so you you have to picture this big train trying to put its brakes on but the wheels are still going around and it's slowing down, it's slowing down, it's slowing down. And it takes a long time for those big trains to stop. And then finally it comes to the screeching sound on those tracks and then it goes into reverse. And then you can see the wheel starting to go backwards. It's still, even in that process, still sliding a little tiny bit. And then eventually it starts to you know, starts to come back and come back and it starts to go backwards. But even in that process, it's very slow. It's really slow trying to reverse. And then eventually it starts getting its speed, you know. 
But in that whole process, it takes a long time. So you being in the schools would be at what point of that do you think? I think in the schools, when I was in the schools back in the in the 90s, for our community, I think it was the process of slowing it down and putting those brakes on and it's starting to squeak and squeal and stuff like that. That's where I think that process was. And, uh, you know, and, and it's not, and we have to realize it's not going to come back overnight. You know, we're, it might even take um, a whole generation, but maybe two. I don't know. But it's, it's in reverse in our community. This has been part one of a three-part mini-series. Thank you all for listening and stay tuned for part two. Walalio. Thank you all.